Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Well, across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeshow.com and uh, across the state of Alaska, on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, it is the Michael Duke Show. Hi, and how are you? Are you ready for another beautiful day in paradise? Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. <clears throat> a little bit punchy this morning, a little, uh, little bit on the, on the tired side. Uh, traveled back last night from Fairbanks uh, to, uh, to get here and uh, be ready to go <clears throat> this morning. Had a great weekend um, up in uh, Fairbanks at the Carlson Center for the big outdoor show and the gun show. Got a chance to talk to a lot of different folks and uh, and it was a it was a it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend, uh, long but productive, I guess is what we would say here this morning on the program. And uh, thank you for coming in and being part of it. We appreciate you guys uh, uh, coming in and joining us this morning. Um, what do I got? Well, I, I just n- nothing. I got nothing as far as guests today. Although, uh, it was a, it, there was a productive weekend in many ways, a productive weekend in many, many ways. We are going to be, uh, getting a chance this week to speak with, um, uh, with, uh, Nick Baggage, the third, who is of course running for, uh, Congress. Uh, in the special primary and uh, potentially special general election that's coming up, uh, we are just about, well, today, we are two months away today from the special primary, which will be conducted uh, by mail only. It's a mail-in ballot, uh, and it'll take place. The deadline to participate is June the 11th, and so today... We are officially two months away from that uh, special primary, uh, which is a jungle primary. 50, I don't know if you saw the, did you see the um, <clears throat> sample ballot that was posted here yesterday with 48 names on it? Um, I, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting, uh, it's going to be an interesting thing. It's going to be interesting for sure. Uh, and, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, here in a couple months, but definitely an interesting time, uh, to be had here in the next couple months, uh, for us. And so we'll be, uh, we'll be watching that. We'll be discussing that this morning as well. If you would like to, uh, uh, participate, we don't have any guests today, but like I said, I did get a chance to meet with, uh, uh, Nick Baggage, uh, who has not been on the program as of yet, and so we will have that conversation with him um, sometime, probably, uh, probably Wednesday. We'll have a chance to talk with him. Uh, Mike Shower is not going to be joining us on Wednesday, so maybe we'll uh, 
Maybe we'll swap him out for the 7 o'clock hour on Wednesday if we can and get him in uh, to talk about it. Also got a chance to talk again this weekend to Chris By, who is the Libertarian candidate uh, for the uh, uh, for the congressional seat. And so we will uh, hopefully have a conversation I with him as uh, well. So looking forward to uh, looking forward to that as well. Uh, what else we got to talk about today? Well, the the House is pretty much wrapped up their uh, they uh, their 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 version of the budget, and we'll we'll see what that we'll see what that brings to us this morning, uh, and talk about that. We will also uh, get a chance to talk about uh, some of the other stories that are going around, including this. I mean, what is it with all the weird stuff in the sky lately? Uh, you know, we talked last week about some of the lights in the sky and were they the things that was it a rocket thing and was it, you know, and then last week, the, the other thing that hit were these contrails over Palmer that drew a lot of speculation from people. It turns out it was a pretty mundane, uh, well, I mean, I guess mundane in one way, uh, but uh, kind of unique in another. Uh, and so we'll talk about that as well. Um, the, um, <clears throat> oh, there's a, there's a new poll too. I forgot to tell you that there's a new poll, uh, that was commissioned by must read Alaska on the, uh, congressional race, which is hard because, you know, usually if you get a pollster who's going to call you at your house and get you, uh, all squared away and, and get your feeling on where you're going to go, they have to read off all of the candidates who are on the ballot. Uh, but with 48 candidates on the ballot, I mean, who, <laughs> who are you going to, you know, are you going to sit there and listen to them read names off for five minutes before you make your choice? Uh, so a lot of, uh, a lot of the talking heads and political, you know, political folks have been kind of going, I don't know what's going to happen. I've there, but finally, uh, they put it together. The Must Read Alaska poll was conducted by Remington Research Strategies, and they uh, they had some comments here uh, on this. And they uh, took a survey of what was it, five hundred and no, I'm sorry, nine hundred and fifty five likely primary voters, and that's got some interesting uh, that's got some interesting stuff in it as well. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Oh, and we're going to then open up the, well, the phone lines are open. We're going to open up the lines to your phone calls as well. How about that? So whatever you want to talk about today, I'm, uh, I'm good to go. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to chit chat about all this stuff and open the lines and do everything. Now, normally we're broadcasting on Facebook, uh, but since Friday, I don't know if I offended the Facebook gods or what, but they, the, for some reason, the show will not launch on Facebook and so this morning, it's only being simulcast on YouTube and on Twitch. So if you want to go out there and join us in the chat room during the commercial breaks to hang out with us, you'll have to go over to YouTube this morning to do that as well. I've posted up the link on my Facebook page, uh, sending you over to YouTube, which there's some deep irony there. Uh, just go to Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show, and you can follow the link right there at the top of the page over to the uh over to the broadcast this morning, and we'd love to hear from you. And and uh, and uh, you know, so just come on over, come on out, come on down. Let's uh, let's let's do it to it. 
Okay. Um, so where should we start this morning? Should we talk about the, um, should we talk about the student who got pepper sprayed in Wasilla? Uh, I just, you know, I read this story and of course I wasn't there, right? I wasn't there. I wasn't part of the whole thing, but at some point I just, I've got a, when every, when every, when all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, right? Well, the um, the state troopers ended up pepper spraying an 11-year-old boy at the Wasilla uh, uh, Tenina Elementary School. Now, he's a special needs kid. He's got autism and ADHD. And um, there was like this whole situation where he ran out of the school, and his parents come and found him, and the the police had been called at one point, and so he was talking with his parents out in front of the school when the police rolled up, and that spooked him, and then he ran back into the school. And so then they kind of – he went to his classroom where I guess he felt safe, and then they kind of cornered him in his classroom and got it. The bottom line is when it was all said and done, they shot him in the face at point blank range with some pepper spray. And – um and so there's there's just been a lot of questions here in how we are supposed to deal with this kind of stuff. Um, and I'm just reminded time and time again, especially when I see things like this and if I had a child and I, do, I don't, I'm, I mean, luckily for my family, we don't have to deal with those additional challenges of uh, special needs of any kind. But, um, you know, this just reinforces my belief that... Uh, probably homeschooling still the best still the best choice for my family anyway out here because this is just it's just horrific um the apparently his parents came to the school after the principal called to say that their son had walked out um and they uh, were able to find him and the student was outside walking towards the school uh with his parents the troopers rolled up uh, he refused to stop for the troopers. Now, again, remember that he has autism and all that kind of stuff. Um, in the police uh, response that ramped up uh, their son's emotional level, that's what caused it, they said at that point, because they were talking him down. Uh, obviously, they have, you know, they have some experience with this, you know, from having obviously deal with their, his son, right? Um, so then he, he wa walked back into the classroom, <clears throat> excuse me, into the school and into his special needs classroom. And according to his mother, she was relieved at this point because that was right where he needed to be. She followed the son inside. And then she said that the trooper followed her into the school. Um, and she said, uh, at some point they were, um, you know, that she was like, Hey, we, we've got him. Why are you, why is the trooper continuing to come in and follow us? Well, apparently at some point before the classroom incident happened, the trooper, who has not been identified, decided to require involuntary commitment for the 11-year-old boy for treatment at the Matsu Regional Medical Center. Uh, the decision was made based on the boy's actions after the trooper and the police officer arrived, but also due to the reports that he was having some issues at the school earlier today. And they said this is the most appropriate outcome for everybody involved, given, given you know, all the circumstances. Uh, the parents, however, say the trooper, uh, the decision to order a hold escalated their son's reaction because he knew he faced either getting strapped to a gurney or giving a shot, being, being given a shot and sedated. I mean, all of a sudden your choices 
are restricted, and that sent him skyrocketing back into the stratosphere. And um, so he kept saying that he didn't want to leave. He was staying in school and, and everything else. Um, and at that point, that's when the um, that's when the trooper apparently walked up and sprayed him in the face. According to the troopers, they said that it was from five to six feet away. The parents said it looked like it was basically two feet away and uh, at point blank range. The spray didn't go into the room, but directly into the boy's face. Um, and so, I mean, this thing is just horrific. It's just, it's just reminding me again why this is, you know, reason number, you know, 438, why I homeschooled my kids. So you didn't have to deal with this kind of stuff anymore. Um, and where were the, you know, where were the specialists, the experts in these special needs classes to help talk these kids down? Well, I mean, why were the troopers called? I mean, the, again, when when all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. So did you think that the troopers, if you're the expert in special needs kids, did you think that the trooper was going to be able to come in and and fix this problem, you know, with the handcuffs and a, and a taser and, and bear spray? I mean, I'm asking. I, I just don't know. Anyway, this story just caught my attention because I just can't. An 11-year-old boy, I just can't imagine. That they, and, of course, there's been story after story, if you've been following this across the country over here the last uh, few uh, months, there's been story after story of police working with people who have, um, you know, either mental handicaps or their special needs of some kind or whatever, where they have been tased, peppered, sprayed, shot, arrested, held down. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. All I can say is if you're having some kind of issue like this, it might not be the police who are the best people to call in these situations because their track record on this kind of stuff so far is not great. It's just, it's not, not super good. Anyway, that was, that was kind of the story I wanted to start it off with this morning just because it kind of broke my heart, quite honestly. All right. We're about ready to uh, jump back into it. We'll open up the phone lines on the other side. The Pivotel call-in lines, powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West. And uh, we will be back with more. Don't go anywhere. It is the Michael Luke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Returning right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Hi. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, I mean, the same thing again today. Still says that it's broadcasting on Facebook, but it's not really broadcasting on Facebook. And uh, there's 24 of you in the chat room this morning, and you guys have been super quiet. Uh, although Brian says um, choppy, choppy feed on YouTube. Um, 
Uh, just a little devil's advocate here. I have no idea about this 11-year-old boy, but as a full-time paramedic, I got my ass kicked by a 13-year-old autistic girl. She had destroyed a classroom. Again, like I said, I wasn't there to begin with, but I just got to think that this is never the, you know, oh, it's just so hard, man. You know, like you said, um, a little sanctimonious about homeschooling? No, I'm just believing that that's the best thing for my children. As I said, for me, Christine, no sanctimony in it at all. Uh, like I said, I was very clear that it was the best choice for me and my family. But uh, just a reminder as to why I feel like I made the decision. Um, so, um, all right. I'm trying to decide if I should try and restart the broadcast this morning on the streams because I don't know what's going on here. Should we take a poll? Should we take a poll of the 28 people who are now watching us on YouTube? Um, if you think I should restart the stream, and I got about three minutes here, uh, type one and hit enter in the chat room. If you think I should restart the stream, just hit one, and I'll see if I can get it on Facebook. So just give me the number one in the chat room if you think that that's a good idea. Just like that. There you go. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, if you want to do that, if not, that's fine, but just let me know. I want to, I want to know what you guys want to say. Okay. So there's 20, well, 22 of you now. So there's two of you who've said yes, three, four, five. Okay. Um, <clears throat> let's see. All right. So yes, I am the parent of two special needs children. They both could wreck a police officer or paramedic. <laughs> All right. Well, I got an, I've got a lot more ones. Okay. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shut down this stream and then I am going to uh, uh, stop and restart the thing and we'll see what we can go from there. So this stream is going to end uh, and I will be back with more here in a minute. I don't know. Hopefully it shows up on Facebook. We'll see. Uh, here we go. Back with more right after this. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. The Michael Duke Show. It's Monday, and we're just about ready to come back from the commercial break. We got uh, Facebook to finally start properly again this morning, and we're ready to go. Don't forget to check us out. Uh, also, again, like and follow the show page on Facebook and more. We're about to dive back into this here in just a hot second. Uh, thanks for coming. This is the restart. This is it. This is everything is good this morning. All right, so we're ready to go. Let's jump into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share. Okay. All right. Well, 
we were able to uh, restart the simulcast uh, during the commercial break, so now we're back up on Facebook. So if you normally join us on Facebook, feel free to uh, do that again this morning. Um, come on in and uh, and be part of it. We uh, we got it all squared away here this morning. So um, I got got chastised a little bit there for uh, talking about that, that I was being sanctimonious about homeschooling because I was saying that that was – um, no, I wasn't trying to be sanctified. I was very clear that that was the best choice for my family. Um, and then uh, Bill in the chat room said he worked as an EMT, and uh, he said, look, uh, just for an alternative viewpoint or devil's advocacy, uh, he said, I once got the hell beat out of me by a 13-year-old with autism uh, as an EMT. So it can't happen. I imagine it's it's a difficult situation. Like I said, first thing I said was I wasn't there, and I didn't see everything, but it just seems like as I've watched this happen across the country, and there's been several instances where uh, people with special needs have been hurt or killed by police when they get involved. I got to wonder if that's the best, you know, that's the best solution for those kind of problems. That's all. That's all. No, no, uh, no big deal. I mean, I'm just I, like I said, this thing, this story just jumped out at me this morning as I was doing. Um. All right. So, uh, where, where, what else did I want to? Oh, you know, look, this weekend it was amazing. I got a chance to meet with all different kinds of people. Um, I always enjoy doing that. Uh, you know, the big shows um, um, in Fairbanks, getting a chance to reconnect with people uh, that I haven't seen in a long time, or you know, getting getting to meet listeners who I've never talked to before. Um, that's always uh, humbling and it's always a, it's always a fun, uh, it's always a fun time and a fun discussion. And I want to thank everybody that came out this weekend. Uh, but one of the things that we talked about quite well, I mean, it was like the topic of conversation, obviously was the, um, um, was the, uh, uh, rank choice voting and the, well, not certain, not specifically the rank choice voting, but the special election for the congressional seat. That was the hot-button topic of conversation, followed closely by the uh, ballot measure number two stuff, which, of course, is the jungle primary and the right choice voting. And it was pretty interesting to see the general reaction from people uh, on all of this, especially when we had to talk about how it worked again, and many people still... Um, still didn't understand this... And I mean, here we are, as I said earlier, two months away from uh, from the special election, the special primary, and people are still a little confused. I mean, the the jungle primary component, I think, is going to be, although it may be a little overwhelming, it's pretty easy to understand. You vote for one. Here's your ballot. There's 48 people on it. Choose your poison, right? The problem is going to be in in my mind, as I look at this, especially after having described this and talked to people about it and everything else, the problem is going to be on August the 16th when we have both the special general election and the regular primary on the same day, not just on the same day, but according to Gail Fanumiai, who is the division of elections director, according to her press conference, we're going to have it all basically on the same ballots. So you'll have both a, another jungle primary for the regular elections, and then you'll have the ranked choice for the special general for the congressional seat on the same ballot. 
And I think people are going to be confused. I think that there will be a lot of people who go, what? Now, my reaction overall, um, my reaction overall, I think, is going to be that when this election cycle is over, unless the state steps up. Now, if the state steps up their education uh, to explain to the general public how ranked choice voting works, um, there may be it may be possible, I guess, to save this and educate the people. But based on what I'm seeing so far, there does not appear to be any um, there does not appear to be any will from the state to step up and fix the lack of education on ranked choice voting and jungle primaries and all that stuff. So if it remains unchecked, I think we're going to have a problem. I think what will happen is that after this election cycle, there may be such a hue and cry from the voters that uh, we may be revisiting the whole question of ballot measure number two. Now, that could be uh, changed by, you know, legislators next session, or it could be maybe a people's referendum, which is the removal of a law, right? Referendum is the removal of a law. So it would have to be the same kind of thing, which is, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of work to do a ballot measure or a referendum. Um, but I think that there will be a pretty, pretty big hue and cry over this whole thing. And, um, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty amazed at what's, at what's going on over there. But, um, my general reaction after meeting with everybody and talking with people over this weekend is that there's still a lot of confusion on how this is going to work. So let me walk you through this one more time. Okay. And I guess maybe we just, you know, maybe we should just continue to talk about this all, all the time over and over. Sandy in the chat room says there's a, there's a class by the lieutenant governor online to teach the ballot. Okay, well, that's great. How many people out there know that the, that the voting measures have changed, knows that the voting measures are going to be different? Any, anybody? Anybody? Hmm? Okay. So coming up on June 11th is the special, you have, you have two different things here. You have a special election going on for the congressional seat, which consists of a special primary and a special general. Then you have the regular election, regular election, which consists of a jungle primary and then the regular election in November. Now, where the problem lies is in the overlap, because the special election, the primary of the special primary uh, is going to be on June 11th. It's going to be a mail in vote only. So you will receive a ballot and uh, or several ballots. I mean, who knows, depending on where you live, you could receive several ballots. Uh, but you only get a chance in the special primary to vote for one out of 48 candidates. Of all of those candidates, they will take the top four candidates and those, this is specifically for the Congre for the congressional seat. 
The top four of those candidates will then move on to a ranked choice ballot for the special general election, which will be held on August the 16th, which is exactly the same day as the regular primary, meaning that all the other seats, uh, all the all the governor seats, the legislator seats, and the congressional seat as well will be open for the primary. Again, in a jungle, you'll have all those candidates available. You'll only be able to vote for one. On top of that, the general election for the special election, just to fill out the last three months of Don Young's seat, will also be on that same ballot, but it will not be a one choice. It will be a rank choice on that. So that's going on in exactly the same day and exactly the same voting booth on exactly the same ballot. Then in November, all of those primaries from the regular primary in August will then be collated down to the top four. And then you will be ranked choice voting all of the seats, everything in November. Does that make sense? Does that does that make sense to everybody? Was I as clear as I could be? Do I need to get a slide rule and a chart? That's my question. I mean, this is the, you know, this is this is crazy stuff. Um so that is that is the clear as mud, says Jeannie. <laughs> Rick, Rick fell asleep in the chat room while I was describing all this. This is the kind of stuff, I mean, but this is what's going on. I mean, I had this conversation with people and they said, okay, what? <laughs> I mean, because it is, conf- I mean, you really need to, you know, to glean it out. What's going on? Maybe I'll create a flow chart and we can talk about it. I should borrow Mike Shower's whiteboard to do, to do the math on this. Maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe I'll create it. Uh, a slide rule and a chart would help. Maybe I need a supercomputer. It's not really that hard, but it is confusing. All right, let's um, let's go over to the phones. We've opened up the phone lines on the Pivotel call-in line. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the final uh, budget from the House. They're working on the final details this morning. But it looks like out of 88, what was it, 88 amendments that they passed, um, was it three, I think? Was that what it was? 88 separate amendments. Um, They just passed a handful of them, and the rest of them are all, you know, basically they just burned time for the last couple days. The pictures uh, on must read of some of these people up there talking is just, it's amazing. All right, let's go over to the phone. Sorry, I got distracted there for a second. Let's go over to the phones and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Mike. Yeah, from Homer. You're talking about ranked choice voting. It needs to be changed to rank voting confused. And yeah. that's what it is. That's <laughs> what they want. That's what they need. All right. Right. Yeah, this thing is so confusing. If anybody figures this out, will you please let everybody else know? You know, because nobody figured it out. The one thing we figured out is, is even if you vote Republican, the next one down that you're going to get knocked down to because you didn't get there is a Democrat. Your vote goes Democrat, okay? 
This is what they want, confusing, control. But the thing you're going to find is when this is all over, oh, no, it was a fair election, okay, and that person over there, Lisa Murkowski, got the most votes. Not legally, by the way. A lot of people didn't vote for her, but they got bumped down to her or bumped this way or bumped that way. This is so dangerous, this thing, that it's no longer your vote counts for who you voted for. And that should be illegal and unconstitutional. But evidently it isn't. Um, you know, we tried to figure it out in Maine, and it's still there. And the Democrat that got in for governor really didn't get that many votes up front, but she won with this ranked choice voting. And this is what this is all about. The Mikowski group definitely poured a bunch of money into this and got this done here, you know, or brought money from out of state, had people from out of state do this to us. This is what they wanted. This is what they needed. And this is a way to cheat. And you're never going to find out how, because they're going to tell you in the end, this is how many votes this person got. And this is how many this one didn't. And that's all you're going to hear. You're not going to hear. You're not going to find out whether you were bumped down and voted for a Democrat. You're not going to find that out, okay, either way. And that's the danger here. And this thing is is totally against anything that Americans have. But they checked it all out, and it's just evidently not unconstitutional. So there's no way to fight the damn thing, you know. We tried our damnedest to figure it out, you know, just like you. And when you get this figured out, it's like, you know, you know, why is your wife mad at you? Well, tell the rest of us men when you find out because sometimes it's mad at you. It's that way. And it's, it's you know, right. when you find out, tell all the other men so we know not to do that ever again, you know. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's a crazy thing. This is the craziest thing. In, in Maine and Alaska, we're targeted to teach them a lesson. Pretty much. Well, they were targeted. They were. They were. They were targeted. The oil here. They want control of our state. Right. They were targeted because of the size of the state. I mean, that was the thing. They were targeted because of the population. Because we were a cheap date. Because they could run the election and they could influence the election with the smallest amount of money put forward. Right. But big oil here. Big money here, and they want yeah. control of it. That's another thing. Well, I will Always say that— follow the money, and you follow the bad people. Yeah, no, I, I will say <laughs> that the Republicans have done a good job in some of the messaging that they put forward on this because the, the whole movement now to rank the red— that is definitely one way to fix this. You know, do not, you know, if, if you if you want just a Republican in there, then make sure that your top four votes are all Republicans in one stripe or another, uh, if that's the case, so that your ballot doesn't get exhausted and end up going to a Democrat. You know, that's the that's the choice. Or at least put all reds until you get down to nothing else and then, you know, leave it be if you want to vote in that regard. But, yeah, it's a uh, it's a. Uh, it's a mess. There's no doubt about it, Jeff. Thank you for your call, by the way. I appreciate it. Uh, we got two more lines on hold, but I am up against the break, so we're going to take a quick one, and we're going to be back here in just a second. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay, two lines on hold. Let me go over there real quick and get their names to figure out who they are so that we can return to them uh, from radio. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? 
Carlene and Kodiak. Well, hello, my dear. Hold on a second. We'll be right back to you, okay? Don't uh, don't go anywhere. Thank you. You'll be number one up in the queue. Let's go over here to number two. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Morning. This is Ray from North Pole. Hello, Mr. Ray. Hold the line, my friend. You'll be number two in the queue. We'll be right back to you here in just a second. Um, <clears throat> Murkowski is red. Well, except for that she's been censured by the party and basically kicked out. I mean, I guess she can still call herself a Republican, but um, yeah, so I guess you'd have to be educated on that. The one that's endorsed in that race is Shabaka. Shabaka is the endorsed party in that race, I guess. Uh, Libs will only put Libs' name in the ballot. That's because a few tabled the amendments and they couldn't get back on the table. Kevin Carpenter were on a roll every time he's been brought one up. They tabled it. Um, if your first choice doesn't win, your vote goes to your second choice. Yes, that's correct. Um, $7.7 billion to run a population of 733,000 people. Let that sink in. (laughs) You're not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Let that sink in for a minute. Um, I'm scrolling backwards here. The House did pass the budget on Saturday. Thank you, Rob, for pointing that out. I was reading I was reading the article and it was from Saturday, so I you know how it is. That's what happens. That's what happens when you step in it. Um, so it's okay. Uh, we're gonna get into some of the details on this. Uh, I'm going backwards here. Edie. Uh, six, yeah, six, six amendments out of eighty-eight amendments passed. Sixty, six, um, six amendments out of. Well, I guess that's a little bit better than what was it that that one time that Tammy Wilson here got? They had something like two hundred and forty-six amendments or something, because because they had substituted the they had substituted the budget. Um, the entire budget had come as a substitute bill, like 90, you know, minutes or whatever before they were supposed to vote. And so they draft, I mean, anyway, uh, the whole process is just messed up at this point. Uh, Edie says, June 11th equals the special primary, one person, one vote. Top four go to the August 16th special general ranked choice voting. Plus number two, you have a regular primary. Top four go to the November 8th regular general election, ranked choice voting. First choice stays first choice until it gets elected or falls off. Second choice is allocated only when the first choice falls off. Third, fourth, first candidate with 50% plus one wins. There you go. That that print cannot wait for the state convention. I'll be a delegate for the first time ever, and I hope to meet many of the candidates in person. Also, will be attending the Rank the Red seminar, said David. Which again, I think is really great on the, uh, which is really great on the, uh, uh, as far as branding goes from the Republicans. I just had to laugh. This is a picture. Uh, this is the picture. I have to show you guys this because this is making this is making me giggle. Um, what do I got here? Right here. Full screen. Um, this is the, uh, did you, have you seen this? Uh, have you seen this picture here? Um, this was in must read Alaska. Uh, take a look at this picture. 
not so much the fact that you know you got you got Chris Tuck and Andy Story out in the you know out in the you know in the uh, uh, foreground, but look at the background. <laughs> this is Delaney Johnson like kill me now, kill and Mike Cronk is over here going, do I have to be here? Do I? I mean, the 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 classic part of this is the is the people in the background. <laughs> Delana Johnson. They look from Delana Johnson like, "Am I dead yet? Just please tell me I'm dead." <laughs> this is a classic picture. I love it. I absolutely love it. It kind of summates the whole process, especially for the minority. Right. That's just for the minority. They're back there going, oh, why am I doing this to myself? Oh, it's just just great. Absolutely fantastic. OK, um, sorry. Sidebar there. Uh, let's see. Mm, any of the other stories? We got phone calls. We're going to jump into that. And uh, I guess we'll just get ready to go. Um did the state budget gets did the state get screwed by the budget? Mm, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, I love watching it just to people watch, says Gail. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's the most interesting thing is all just to see how they react on the floor without, you know, things you'd never see unless you were there or watching it on camera. All right, here we go. Jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Here we go. All right, we're continuing now, taking some phone calls from you. Uh, we'll get your guys' take on what we've been talking about. I mean, do you understand the whole process now? I mean, now that we've made it as clear as we can possibly make it without, again, without pictures and charts, is it is it clear enough to you? Or is it still confusing? I mean, if anybody should figure it out, it should be the listeners to this show, because we've talked about it pretty exhaustively. But I, I just want to know what your thoughts are on it. Let's go over here. Carlene is in Kodiak. Uh, we welcome her back to the program. Good morning, ma'am. How are you? I'm excellent, Michael. Thank you. And you? I'm doing good. I'm a little little punchy this morning. I, I got in super late last night, but I'm feeling like at least I'm up and awake and alive. It's all good. Michael, it just seems like maybe you're a little bit tired and once you've had some rest, you can figure this out. <laughs> Maybe um, if I think about it hard, I might be able to. Uh, yes, but kind of, I have a question and then an answer. Um, how do you eat an elephant sandwich? Uh, last I heard, it was one bite at a time. Yes, and then perhaps we should only focus on June 11th. So just focus and primarily on that and ignore everything else for the time being. Right now, let's through June 11th, stress that it's mail-in only because people just will not want to vote. I almost didn't want to, but stress that it's mail-in 
only. And then after that, perhaps in all capitals, vote for one person only. And then once we get through June 11th, uh, tackle the next part of it. Yeah, we could do that. I mean, I think you're you're right if we take it a bite at a time and explain it uh, to folks, and that's what it is. And, and again, the mail-in part is not that hard. It's going to be in the August thing, I think, when the confusion is going to probably arise. Uh, but I have faith that people, a lot of people are going to figure it out, but I think that they will be frustrated. But you're right. You know, mail-in only, June 11th, one vote, one ballot, one vote. That's how it works. Yes, and then we'll figure something else out later. Right. Okay. Well, and this could be a good thing, you, you know. And how maybe s- we'll get people passed in there, you know, passed right through. Uh, it, it could just really work out. Well, I hope so. I mean, I I love your I love your optimism, and I hope you're right. I hope that uh, I hope you're right. I hope that. People see this and they figure it out and they get in there and they uh, and they they are able to they are able to duke it out. Now it is a mail-in ballot only, but you can take your ballots and after you vote your ballot. So if you get your whole family together and you know you you vote here and all the voting eligible age people in your household vote, you can gather all those ballots and you can go deliver them to the. Uh, local offices directly so you don't have to put them back in the mail but you're right it's going to be all the ballots are going to be out in the out in the wild and that's uh and that's that's what it is so uh you make a valid point there you go you're already coming up with ideas yep see you're 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 making a valid point one bite at a time good good call on that one so yeah so let's focus on june 11th the special primary congressional primary uh on june 11th all mail in so get your ballots, vote your ballots, take them all down to the office all at once. There you go. Thank you, Carlene. It's almost like post-traumatic stress syndrome, and you just do the next right thing. There you go. That's what we can do. Thank you for calling in and joining us this morning. I appreciate it. Let's go over to Ray in North Pole. Ray, what's on your mind? Morning. How are you? Yeah, the reason I called is... Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What's on your mind? Well, the reason I called in was uh, over the autistic child. Okay. Uh, I grew I grew up in Fairbanks with a older brother that was autistic, and uh, he was harmless. He wouldn't hurt a mosquito that was drilling on him, and uh, he went through a lot of uh, bullying in the fifties and sixties. Uh, every bully in school would beat him up regularly. And I was three years younger, but uh, I'd come out of school and see three bullies beating on him. And I'd jump right in the middle of it and beat the hell out of all three of them until they took off running. And it <laughs> didn't take too many years before bullies left him alone. But uh, uh, he was harmless. He could... Uh, uh, my parents, they didn't understand autism in the 50s and 60s. Right. So my parents beat him regularly, sometimes daily, and it upset hell out of me. But nothing I could do about it. They were my parents. Uh, and uh, But he was harmless. He could take two pieces of chalk 
and write a sentence with his right hand to the right normally and do the same thing with his left hand in reverse the other direction at the same time. Wow. He had these geniuses in him that I could see, but my parents, they couldn't see that. And uh, it just uh, angers the hell out of me to hear what this cop did down there. Right. He ought to be fired. Yeah. And uh, uh, and there was a lot of things that happened to Brian, and he he disappeared in the 80s, and... uh, you know, my parents uh, just booted him out on the streets when we were little, and and uh, they did the same thing with me. But I became a diesel mechanic and a welder and electrician, heavy equipment operator. I worked up north. So uh, I did pretty well with my life. But uh, it's, a, it's a big hard spot in my heart for sure. what Brian went through growing up. In, uh, as far as these elections go, yes, sir. these uh, criminal Democrats in this state, they have everything rigged. I mean, they're, they're getting into the election board computer, hacking into it, flipping votes. They're, they got using these Dominion machines, which can be uh, manipulated. Uh, and a lot of people aren't voting because they know this. But I keep telling them all, you've got to vote. You have to vote no matter whether it's rigged or not, because someday they're going to investigate all this, and the truth will come out. And uh, go Nick Begich, and go uh, Telly Shabaka. We need to get rid of Murky Murkowski. We need her out of there. And that's all I got for today. All right, Ray. Well, thanks for calling in and sharing your story with us, Ray. Um, I can't imagine that that was easy. And like I said, I mean, I wasn't there. I didn't see the whole incident. And, uh, you know, other people have testified or uh, meant not testified, but said in the chat room, uh, you know, that there could be challenges. That's for sure. Uh, And at least I guess we are starting to understand some of these special needs and and different mental uh, conditions and things better today than they understood them back in the day in the 50s, as you said. So thanks for sharing. And and, uh, it's a it's a it's a you know, it's a tough situation. That's for sure. Uh, Like I said, it caught my attention uh, and just reminds me again, first and foremost, about how uh, lucky my family is that we don't have any of those issues. Um, because I can't imagine that that is an easy situation for parents. And I'm glad to, uh, uh I'm glad to, uh, uh, glad to see that we're at least coming to grips with a lot of this stuff. Uh, but again, yes, I don't think that calling the police is the answer in those kind of situations, especially when the parents are on the ground and they're de-escalating the situation already. But again, I wasn't there. I didn't see the whole thing. I'm just making my commentary based on the information that's available. You know, that's, uh. That's all I could say right now. Um, all right. We've got uh, we got more coming up. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke show is going to continue. We're going to uh, get into bits and par- bits and pieces of the budget. What's going on there. And we're going to um, we'll break that down a bit and take some phone calls. The phone lines will be open. The Pivotel call in lines at 433-3150. The Michael Duke show continues in just a moment. Be kind, love one another, live well. We'll be back with more here right after this.
Gordon on YouTube says, I would like you to put up the example a few months ago. What what example of what, Gordon? I'm sorry. What are you looking for an example from a few months ago? I would like to know what you've got going on. Um, has anyone read through the details of Shower's bill, SB 39, and the effort Shower has made to get a bipartisan bill through the legislature? I've read bits and pieces of it. I have not read the whole thing, Christine. That's for sure. Um, uh, Seth Keschel will be presenting his statistical data for Alaska on the 2020 election at the Real Life Church in Palmer uh, on April 30th. He says Anchorage is one of the top cities, counties, which needs remediation of their mail-in balloting system, I'm assuming, is what is going on. Uh, Paul says uh, mail-in ballots have destroyed Anchorage. That's what he said. It's a fraud that's destroyed Anchorage. As I mentioned earlier, one of my employees at the radio station said their neighbor next door, a nice lady who lives alone, received something like seven separate ballots at her in her mail for the Anchorage election. And I'm assuming those are all you know based off of state voter rolls. But she lives alone, and she got set like seven separate ballots. That's a I mean, and and like I said, when I first got to Anchorage and they went to mail mail in voting, I was actually went to a post office um, in the uh, downtown Anchorage area and in the place where you check your mail and sort your mail and throw away all your junk mail, the tables there, you know, there were ballots all over this table. I was like, what the hell? They're ballot. I mean, they're mail in ballots all over the table. People take them out of their mailbox and they throw them on the table. It's, I mean, it was crazy. I could not believe it when I looked at this. Um, one ballot, one vote. What's June 11th? June 11th is the special primary, special congressional primary. That's what it is. It's for the filling of Don Young's seat. Um, Kevin McCabe says this was the third step in a large process. He's talking about the budget uh, and the House, the House portion of the budget. He goes, it now goes to the Senate Finance, then Senate Floor. Then back to the House for concurrence, then to conference committee, then back to the House, then to the Senate, then to the governor. So he says all this angst over intent amendments in the House is misplaced and way early. I mean, I got to kind of agree on that. I just much ado about nothing at some point. Um they stole another $3,000 in PFD money from us. So, yeah, the budget is, you know, hurting people. That's for sure. Um, uh, let's see. Ranked choice voting schematic. Oh, um, Gordon was asking, I'd like you to put up the example from a few months ago. And he said the ranked choice voting schematic where you show how the top four choice choices loses because they had less than 51% of the vote. Um, I'll be bringing back on, I've forgotten the gentleman's name now, um, on ranked choice voting, Dr. Dr. Frank. That was his name, Dr. Frank something. We'll be bringing him back on. He talked specifically about that. He talked about exhausted ballots and how um, you know, people basically in the ranked choice voting scenario, they end up winning with, with well less than 51% when they get to round three and four at that point. Uh, this is the week to lean on your, this is the week to lean in on the PFD to your senators, especially Senate finance. 
Yeah. I mean, if you've got members of your uh, community or they are your representatives, and I'm talking about, you know, people like Click Bishop um, or Bert Stedman or, um, uh, you know, Natasha Von Imhoff, David Wilson, things like that. Now is the week for sure to lean in on them about your PFDs, because this is the this is the way to get it done. Um, I'm just looking through. Um, somebody was kind enough to cut up the floor session for me uh, on the PFD debates and pulled uh, and pulled some clips for me. And I appreciate it. Um, I didn't get a chance to go through them this morning. I got them yesterday. Um, but, uh, I'm going to go through them and on Wednesday, we'll probably peel through some of the debate that took place in the house on this. And, uh, it should be a good discussion. So thank you. Uh, uh, folks, folks are doing my work for me. Um, and I appreciate that in the interim, watch this video says Christine. This is the ranked choice voting video. Um, who put this one out? I'm just curious now. Uh, follow the link. Yes, follow the link. Um, oh my God, it's a 50-minute video on it. Yeah, well, there we go. Dr. Frederick Van Benekom. This is the guy. This is the guy that we had on the program here a few uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, this is a he is a very very good um, um, uh, speaker on this. Anyway, we should go back and take a look at this. Um, uh, but that we had Dr. Von Benicom on the program here a while a while ago uh, to discuss this, and we're going to um, have him back on the program to discuss it here in the near future again as we get closer to this rank choice. Uh, excuse me, to this jungle primary here in um, in June, which is just two months away from today. In fact, two months away from today is the deadline for that to happen. Did they decide on a PFD amount? Yep, you're going to get $1,300 as a PFD, and then you're going to get a $1,300 energy rebate, which they want to be very clear on is not a PFD. So you're going to get $2,600 between the two of them. But they want to, they just want to, you know... Here we go. Hour two, dead ahead, the Michael Luke Show. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. 
across the world on the interwebs uh, at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Howdy, howdy, howdy. How are you doing? Welcome to hour two of the big radio broadcast. Um, and <laughs> it is a... Uh, it is just another beautiful day here in paradise as we get ready to climb into spring uh, here in the great state of Alaska. Although this is the winter that will never end. <laughs> just, you know, winter that will never, ever end. Uh, but it is uh, it's just get, getting ready to be another beautiful day here. Thank you for coming in and joining us. Um, we are ready to dive into uh, hour two here. We've got some good discussions. We're going to start talking here about the um, about the budget that passed the House this weekend. It's now moving over to the Senate, uh, but there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot to unpack uh, in this uh, in this budget. It is substantially increased over uh, last year's budget, and um, it's uh, it it does a lot of funny things. Now, interestingly enough. We have plenty of money to pay for a full PFD. I mean, we have an unrestricted um, uh, unrestricted income from the, uh, you know, because of the Ukrainian thing and all that, and the price of oil and everything. It's, we have a, a, a eight point, what is it? Eight point two billion dollar um, of revenue being generated right now. Uh, as projected as revenue for this state. And the legislature, in their infinite wisdom, has said that no, 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 we don't want to we don't want to put that money in Alaskans' hands. We need to put that away and sock that away for government. Eight point three billion dollars in expected revenue for the fiscal year starting on July the first. And there were a plethora of amendments that were put forward. During the debate in the House, uh, starting with Amendment Number One from Kevin McCabe and a bunch of other legislators, that basically said, "Hey, we we got the money; we should pay a full PFD," and that was shot down continuously along majority minority lines, eighteen to twenty-one, eighteen to twenty-one, eighteen to twenty-one. You could see it over and over and over again. And there were some vote swapping in there, giving people like Neil Foster and stuff some political cover to go in and, um, and uh, uh, you know, to, to be able to vote for a full PFD while knowing that it was not going to pass anyway, but giving him some political cover to do it. And we've seen that. Uh, the House of Representatives then basically uh, said in the long run, here's what you're going to get. You're going to get $2,600 in payments as a resident. $1,300 of that is going to be for your dividend, which they set by fiat and have for the last six years. And another $1,300, which is your energy relief payment. Now, don't you call it a PFD, no matter what you do. Don't you call it a PFD. It's going to be, it is an energy relief payment. Why? Well, because, you know, they didn't want to create an expectation for people that, uh, that they would, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the perception that their the future dividends would be high. 
Speaker Stutes, Louise Stutes, has said they didn't want to create that perception that future dividends would be high. And that's why they're saying that this $1,300 is very clearly an energy rebate check and it has nothing to do with the PFD. Now, remember, we're supposed to get $8.3 billion in revenue this year. Last year, we had a $4.5, almost $5 billion budget. The base, if the spending it had held constant, they would be considering a $5 billion budget this year. But instead, we're seeing upwards of seven, well, just over $7 billion in spending. So what are they spending the money on? Well, let's see. Uh, they're going to put $2.2 billion, some from the current fiscal year, some from the next fiscal year, into the statutory budget reserve as a way of paying back some money that they've spent out of the piggy bank. Now, interestingly enough, the constitutional budget reserve is the one that really needs the money because it is, you know, that money is owed by the Constitution to that fund. They, we, we owe $10 billion almost to that fund. But they don't want to put it in the CBR. They want to put it in the SBR because the CBR requires a higher vote threshold to get the money out. So they want to, they're going to put it in the statutory budget reserve account. That's what they're going to do. They also passed a, uh, a, a two-year forward funding to K-12 schooling. It is the biggest addition to the operating budget. The House plan contains monies for this year, uh, for the next two years, rather, 22, 23, 23, 24. And they are forward funding it $1.2 billion per year. They're also considering separate legislation to increase the per student funding formula, the base student allocation. And if that bill doesn't pass, the House would, so they put a contingency in there. They've got a piece of legislation over here. The House, another $57 million in one time payment to K through 12 schools. Oh, and when when Kathy Tilton set up and said, whoa, 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 there's no provision requiring that that money be spent in the classroom. I don't know if we should support this. Harriet Drummond said, oh, yes, but schools are dealing with rising health care and maintenance and heating costs. We need that extra money. And all I could say is, well, wait, aren't we all dealing with rising health care costs, rising maintenance costs and rising heating costs? Aren't we all dealing with additional expenses? The governor had proposed a permanent fund dividend of about $2,600 plus an additional supplemental payment for part of last year's dividend, $1,250, right? But instead, the House chose the $1,300, $1,300, which is exactly what the governor proposed, $2,600. And they're just like, we're doing what you said. We're just doing it a different way. You know, again, why wouldn't you just pay it out as a $2,600 dividend? Again, they don't want to create that expectation that next year you could get a higher dividend. The Republicans, the minority, basically said, wait a second, $8.3 billion. You could afford to pay a statutory $4,200 dividend and still have money left over. You could do that. No, they decided that's not, that's not what they want. On top of that, uh, through Sarah Rasmussen's suggestion, 
They've decided to spend another $409 million to pay off all the oil and gas tax credits that have been held by drilling companies and their finance, you know, their, their finance companies. They're really not really even held by oil companies anymore because most of them have passed it off to their finance companies at this point. And we have been paying it down every year at the statutory amount, but they decided that they wanted to spend almost half a billion dollars just to pay it out all at once. I mean, this is just the University of Alaska got more money. They received additional money for a variety of programs. They got millions of dollars, uh, you know, so the state can take over construction permitting processes currently run by the federal government. Um, I mean, it's just one thing after another. But it's all done. It's all passed. It's all right there. And again, 24 yays, 14 nays from all the people <clears throat> who are there on the floor voting for this. And uh, everybody apparently is just happy as they can be. Just frustrating. Frustrating for sure. Um, one of the amendments that passed on the floor lowered the oil tax credits back to the statutory level, said Rob. But it's being reported, Rob. I mean, Rob is saying this in the chat room. It's being reported that the original amount of $542 million that was proposed by Rasmussen was reduced to $408 million. Um, and that is much higher than the original statutory amount. So either maybe I misunderstood it or there's some misreporting here. But $409 million is what they are going to be paying back. Plus, there's some discussion. Apparently, somebody said, and I don't see it in any of the commentary here. Again, I was not watching the debate because I was at the Carlson Center this weekend. But there was also some discussion about, and I don't know if it's through the House or whether it's Senate finance, of putting another billion dollars directly into the corpus of the permanent fund to inflation-proof the fund. I mean, to inflation-proof the fund. So who are the yays and who are the nays, somebody just asked. Well, I mean, pretty much the entire minority voted against it. McCabe was absent, uh, excused. Um, so that would have been 15 with his vote, but, um, you know, the yes is that, you know, I guess, I don't know if they would surprise you or not surprise you, but the yes is, uh, you know, that, you know, from the Republican side were LeBon, Thompson, Merrick and Rasmussen. They were the yeses from the Republican with R's next to their name. So just so you know there, but that still would have made 21. So they still had 21 in that regard. That's, you know, that's, that's the thing. All right. We, um, let's go over to the phones. Let's go over to the phones and talk to folks who called in, see what you guys have to say. Phone lines are open. 433-3150, the Pivotel call in line. Let's go over there now. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Charlie and Homer. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. When you were commenting about the education budget a while ago, Mm -hmm. uh, I just had to call you and uh, talk about just for briefly the information that I read about the education performance in the state of Alaska that I sent to my representative and to my senator. Uh, 
about the budget, and it was the National Association of uh, Education Performer, National Assessment of Education Performance that they do every so often in the schools, and the Department of Education reported their most recent results on that standardized testing just recently. And they summarized the state results by the number of states plus the District of Columbia and Department of Defense schools. Right. And they show which states have scored lower than, the statistically the same as, and higher than. And I think it's important when we think about additional funding for our education department, for the schools, like you were talking about, all the money they want, that this says in the fourth grade math, Alaska scored lower than 46 states, statistically the same as four states and higher than one state. <laughs> in eighth grade math, Alaska scored lower than 37 states, statistically the same as 11 states and higher than three states. Fourth grade reading, Alaska scored lower than 50 states and statistically the same as one state. And in eighth grade reading, Alaska scored lower than 47 states and statistically the same as four states. I, I just cannot believe that our legislature allows the education department to get away with this kind of performance and still wants to give them additional money. Char money. It's, it's, a, it's appalling. And let me ask you this, Charlie, in that in all the, the things that you were just quoting there and the numbers and the statistics, does that also happen to have the expenditures on a state state by state basis? Not, okay. Not not in this particular report. You can dig that out if yeah. in other reports. But uh you know, as, as you've mentioned before and we've talked about before on the radio, is that we spend more than almost every other state in the nation. I think there's maybe one or two of the northeastern states that yep. might spend a little bit more than we do. Yeah, we are in the top of the spending, uh, top five of the spending states per per student uh, basis, and yet we continue to fall in the bottom of the barrel time and time and time again. And their answer is always, well, if we just had more money, we could make this better. Yeah, it's just it's it's amazing that they can have they have the gall, they have the gall to say that to us, and then uh, response I got from my senator is that oh well it's you know the rural schools and the you know the the uh, fact that the parents are not involved and all that and yeah that has something to do with it there's no question about that but if you look at the the city by city and districts or school by school and the district by district uh, presentation of the results, you find that some of the small schools out in the rural villages actually do much better than the average district in our state because their their schools are working. They're work, doing what they need to do. I don't know how what they've done differently, but the other schools need to look at it and see what they're doing and learn from them uh, because it's not just because of the fact that you live in a rural area. Uh, that you can't perform well. Right. Baloney. No. It, it, the answer is not money, Charlie. I, I think that's the bottom line. The answer is not money. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, that's the definition of insanity. Uh, but that seems to be the answer yep. to everything. If we just had more money, we could do it. And yet, I still remember <clears throat> when Sarah Palin came up, when she was governor, and stood up there on the podium in Fairbanks and said, "Our graduation rate is, uh, you know, uh, our graduation rate is seventy-six point something percent, almost seventy-seven percent. But we need to do better because that means that twenty-three percent of the students 
flunk out. They don't graduate. And it wasn't, you know, then it was like two years ago. It had come all the way up to, oh, it starts, excuse me, it started at 74%. It had come all the way up to almost 77%. So we've spent ever increasing amounts of money to increase our graduation rate by less than 3%. And so the answer and is obviously not just that, money. A big part of what they do with that, Michael, is they change the standards so the students can pass without having to do anything. Even if that's the case, it's still not acceptable. One one way or the other, the well, whole thing abysmal. is yeah, it, it's it's, it's abysmal. abysmal. But but don't talk out about it, Charlie. Because why do you hate children, Charlie? Why why do you hate why do you hate? Oh, children? I know. I went to a I went to a town hall that uh, Representative Vance had here, and I thought I was going to get eaten alive when I made some of these kind of comments. <laughs> I know how you I know how you mean. Uh, hold the line, Charlie. Folks, we got to go. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Sorry about that, Charlie. Uh, sorry, Charlie. That's fine. I uh, I okay. ran up against the break. Time constraints, man. Yeah, time constraints happen. But you're you know what? You're not you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And yet they look at you and like you said, they give you excuses. Or well, it's the parents. The parents aren't paying attention, or it's the environment, or it's the this or the that. And so explain to me how by pouring more money into it, you're going to fix it if you can't get the parents involved, right? I mean, that what? Yeah. Yeah. How are you going to fix it? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, you you can't. And and I talked to a retired teacher that I know pretty well down here about the charter school idea and and homeschooling and things like that, and why we shouldn't have the money follow the kids, and so that the parents can make decisions and decide, you know, what's best for their children to in terms of their education. And her response to me just about maybe fall out of my chair. She said, you know, if you do that, what will happen is the public schools will be left with the dregs and they will be doing nothing but, you know, managing the, the essentially the insane asylum or the, the delinquent uh, uh, children farm because all the good students will go to the charter schools and home schools and other programs and the public schools will be left just being babysitters. But everybody will have, if you, if the, if it became backpack education, which is what you're talking about, where the money follows the student instead of anything else, everybody will have the opportunity to try to have a, the, the kids don't have to go to the public school. If the public school is failing, they can go to the charter school. They can go to the, to the, to the education pod. They can go to the homeschooling situation. It doesn't have to be. That's a lie. That's the thing. It's the lie that everybody tries to believe. If the opportunity is equal for everyone, then yes, maybe public schools in the way we know them today go away, but something else will step up and do a better job. It is the competition of the market. Whoever delivers the best results with the scholastic achievement of these childs will be the ones that have the most students because they're doing the job. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so Charlie, you've uh, thank you for for riling me up. You've hit it. You've hit it on the head. Uh, hit the nail right on the head. Thank you for calling in this morning. I appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Take care. Uh, all right. Um, the public schools are the drag, says Terry. I mean that I've, I've I've always looked at that argument and just shaken my head. What are you talking about? If it's backpack funding, meaning the funding follows the student to go wherever the student goes. 
then why wouldn't a parent say, hey, you can go over here to this school instead because they do better? Well, it'll just leave the thing. Well, so either A, they'll have fewer students at these public schools so they can focus more and do a better job with those students, or the parents will take them someplace where they get a better education. Well, some parents just don't care. Well, I, <laughs> what? Donna starts that the the NAEP scores, the national, uh, it's the academic education scores for uh, the states. States that have adopted money following the children, the backpack education funding, have seen dramatic improvements in those scores. We know that. This is not rocket surgery, people. Um, all right, let me go over here and get this caller's name so that when we return to the radio, we can uh, join them. Who? Uh, good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Um, Kathy from the Kenai Peninsula. Hello, Kathy from the Kenai. Hold uh, hold the line. You will be number one up in the okay. queue as soon as we return to the radio here. We are about 60 seconds away from rejoining the radio. Uh, easiest budget process ever, uh, said many in the house. Easy process when they have unlimited funds to spend like a drunken sailor in a whorehouse. I'm sure I'm insulting the sailor by comparing them. They haven't had a surplus since 2014, and this is how they spend it. Instead of saving it for a rainy day, $3.5 billion surplus flushed down the toilet. Well, they could have at least put some of that money into the private economy, right? They at least could have done that. The lie, says Kara, is that uh, rural village school children have choices. Their parents may not have educated enough. Carol, there are plenty of programs where they could do it remotely. I mean, in this day and age of remote work and everything else, why aren't we applying that more? There are whole college courses now that are taught remotely where you don't have to be there. Why does it have to? No, no, that's no, not logical. Sorry. Here we go. Jumping back in the Michael Duke show. All right, we're continuing now uh, with some calls. We've been talking about the budget and the amount of money that's being poured into these various things, including the $1.2 billion per year in forward funding for education. And the fact that Charlie, the caller from uh, Homer, just brought up, you know, what a bang-up job we're doing on that. Kathy's down on the keen eye. She wanted to sound off this morning. Kathy, what's on your mind? Yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the HEA. I sent you a messenger um, about one of the board members yes, to get uh, on. But yep, I got I don't a, know if you got your message or not. I did. But, yeah, I got the message. And um, in fact, I got Wayne Ogle reached out to me. So we're going to be working on that here later this week. Okay. And we're going to have okay, it hopefully for good. next week. Yep. Good. I just want to say if you've thrown away your ballot, you can still vote on um, May 4th at 6 o'clock at the Kenai Central High School. I thought that was interesting, you know, like if you think you throw it away and you think, oh, I want to vote, you can still vote. And um, I just want to say, like, only like 11% of the people vote. So, yeah. and there's quite a few people on, like, um, District 1, there's three people, and then on District 3, um, on the ballot, is four people. And then the Soldatna... Um, one is, guy is running unopposed. So, right. And he's conservative. 
So right. um, I just want to encourage people to get out and vote. I mean, yeah. on the Kenai Peninsula. No, I appreciate that. I mean, it's important to take this is what we've been talking about. You know, stop focusing on a lot of the major national issues and everything else and, and ignoring what's going on in your local communities like your you know, HEA or cooperative boards, you know, your city councils, your, your road service areas, because that's the stuff that affects you directly every day. And this is a prime example of that. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought, well, we need to um, work on this because it's so important and um, yeah, or we'll be like the green new deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We don't want that. We don't want we that for sure. want to be able to have your electricity. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right. Thank you, Kathy, for calling in. We appreciate it. Thanks Uh for uh, being part of the show today. Uh Let's uh, continue on here. The Pivotail call-in lines. got some lines open at 433-3150. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Michael. This is Melissa. I'm calling from Wasilla. Hello, Melissa. What's on your mind? Um, Well, I have two points now since uh, the other caller. My first point the Kenai Peninsula does need to get out and vote. Obviously, they're just kind of putting things under the the rug and kind of not really paying attention. But my second point is we need to get an advocate that gets on the media. I mean, Michael Duke, you're great. Don't get me wrong. You're the only one that talks about the permanent fund probably, but nobody else does. And that's one of the hugest issues why we don't have the support for the PFD so vocally is because they just sweep it under the rug. We'll have a rally. There'll be a hundred people. And they'll, ah, it's a couple dozen. No big deal. And so that's a big issue for you know trying to get the PFD to the people. You mean you that's what the you mean on. that's what the news media and the politicians and, report is that it's only a dozen yeah. people when it was actually a couple three hundred, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then um, the other thing I wanted to say is I worked for the Matsu School District, and by far it's probably one of the better districts in Alaska, but I've watched them spend like the 501 money, oh, we need to hurry up and spend this or we won't get any more, or we need to make sure we spend it all so we get the same amount next year. Wait a minute. If you have the means to not spend it, why are you? That's the problem with all special interests, too, is they have a certain lot of money that they got, and they want that same amount. So even if they don't need it, they're going to keep using up their budget to say that they need it, and that's where... Everything just kind of goes to poop. (laughs) Well, right. We've seen that in, I mean, I've talked about it, personal experience. I had personal experience. I mean, I worked, uh, you know, 25 years ago, I worked in the the automotive and the truck industry. And I remember walking into the DOT there uh, as a salesman, you know, trying to, you know, get their business to work on the vehicles and everything. And I always remember at the end of June, you know, he'd walk me through the warehouse with a pad of paper and say, I need 10 of these, three of these, five of these, six of these. And it'd be a huge order. Why? Because he was spending the last of his budget. He had money left over and he better spend it all. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't get it the following year. Even if he had three or four of an item on the shelf, he wanted four or five more just to make sure that money got burned. I saw it firsthand. It, it happens. That is, I mean, again, why aren't we incentivizing these various departments to deliver a good product? Uh, you know, to deliver to the public the, the service or the product that they're supposed to, to deliver. And if they can do it for under budget, why not share that wealth and create a bonus system so that managers and employees receive a little extra money for doing a great job and saving money? Why wouldn't you do that? 
it doesn't make sense to me um, why they wouldn't do it because it absolutely makes sense to do it. So yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't do it. I mean, it's like we, we don't reward people on their good job and we don't base their qualifications off of their skill anymore. Yeah. It's all about feelings and emotions <laughs> and money. <laughs> hey, I, you're hurting my feelings talking about this right now, Melissa, so I think we should stop. So. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for your call. I well, appreciate, thank- appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, all right. Um, so that leaves the phone lines open. I got all four lines open right now at four three three thirty one fifty. Let's go back to what we were just talking about here a second ago. Charlie's call uh, with all these uh, students and kids and the fact that he heard the argument that uh, that, you know, oh, if we did this backpack education funding where the funding follows the student, if we did this backpack funding, then, uh, you know, the, the, the schools would all they just have the dregs. There'd be nothing left. They would have no choice. And I pointed out that, well, wait, if a rising tide floats all boats, if all the students have access to that funding, then they could choose the school of their choice. Now, is it up to the parents to exercise and do some of that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, But a rising tide would float all boats and everybody would have the equal opportunity to take their students to the school of their choice, whether it's charter or pod based or private school or uh, homeschooling or whatever. Uh, then care in the chat room says the lie is that the rural village school children have choices. Their parents may not be educated enough to homeschool. Well, I got to be honest with you. That's also a lie or an excuse. If you want to look at it this way, because look, if we do things the way we've always done them, then maybe you're right. Maybe the parents don't have enough education to homeschool. Maybe they don't. But look at what's happened in the last two years in this country during this pandemic. As I've often said, there is a silver lining to the pandemic. And really, the silver lining is that education has really come forefront and front and center. You've seen how much the education establishment is really concerned more about protecting the establishment than they are about the children. We've also seen how well things can work being done remotely, whether it's work or school or anything else. Why, you know, we have whole college courses now that are being taught remotely. You don't have to show up in the lecture hall to do it. You can do it online. You could do these things. There are teachers who are willing to sit down with a class and do these things. You don't have to have an education as a homeschooling parent because you have resources of other teachers who will help teach your children. But you have to be willing to break the dichotomy. You have to be willing to look at the system the way it is now and say, we can't keep doing it this way. We have to find, we have to innovate. And that's what's happened is that the, the in education, innovation has died. We're using the same system that we were using back when Horace Mann was the guy who started and nas- you know, got all this whole idea of nationalizing the schools and doing everything else and teaching everybody in a cooking. We have stopped innovating. But the pandemic has forced us to innovate in many ways, including in remote work and now remote education. To say that somebody who lives in a remote area can't get just as good an education as somebody who lives in downtown Anchorage is false. It can happen. You don't have to be a rocket scientist or a genius or even a high school graduate to teach your children. It's a lie. It's a lie. No more 
innovation in education. Uh, all right, we're <laughs> we're coming up. We're coming up on the thing. Oh, UAA does that too. Paul says in the chat room when I was talking about you know going to the going to the DOT and and selling them parts at the end of the year. He said UAA does that. He said my friend says she got a new office chair every year, and they had no place for the old ones, so they had them in the hallways. They're just like give just giving them away. All right, we're we're out of time for this segment. We got one more coming up, and we're going to open the phone lines wide open to whatever you want to talk about. Feel free to do it. Let's uh, let's just throw it out there. 433-3150, the Pivotel call-in line. Give us a call. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're in the break right now. Um, Somebody on YouTube just dropped Larkin Rose's... uh, website in the chat if you haven't gone out and read a lot of his stuff he's got some good stuff out there uh as well uh someone just said read the way out by larkinrose.com at larkinrose.com it's good larkin rose has got some good stuff out there josie the outlaw also has some good stuff as well she's good friends with larkin uh been following them for a long time good good stuff there uh unions have stopped innovating says bill yep i mean that's a prime problem we've stopped innovating in education let kids choose their topic of interest they learn 10 times faster said jimmy that's right it's called unit education that's what that's called uh some of the online help is amazing too Uh, i'm dumb as hell that i figured out some of that stuff i didn't understand the videos and resources are good absolutely Thanks to them closing schools, mine entered the homeschool program at the beginning of the 11th grade, graduated two months later, completed both 11th and 12th grade, once able to work at their own pace and no longer being held back to wait for the rest of the class to finish. That's the problem, right? I mean, the problem with the school, the brick and mortar school as it sits right now and kind of the education system in the in the old school, old style education system is that they have to work in a classroom setting. You have to work at the pace of the slowest student. Um, when it came to literature and reading and things like this, I was very advanced for my age, right? In those systems and those schools. And I was bored out of my mind in those classes. Although reading and history and those kind of things were part of my, that was part of my favorite subjects, but I was bored because we had to work at the speed of the slowest student. Now with math, I was a little uh, I was not as bored. I was more challenged because I had a harder time with math than I had with some of the other things. But I made it through. But you're always, maybe in the math, maybe I was the slowest student and everybody was working at my pace. Who knows? But we should all, be, you know, we have to innovate. Jonathan said, this is our second year of homeschooling. Both of my kiddos have improved academically and are more happy. They're getting opportunities and experiences that they never would have gotten in public school. 
That's what there are options and opportunities out there, folks. Quit trying to force them into this mold of this hundred and 30-year-old mold of how public schooling is supposed to work. We have to innovate. Have to innovate. And I think backpack funding is the best way to start, quite honestly. Um, let's go over to the phones here. We got about uh, three minutes before we return to the radio, but we got one line on hold. Let's get their name, and we'll start off with them. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, is this Bill? Hello, Bill. Hold the line. You'll be you'll be uh, you'll be first up when we come back to the radio. Okay. Let me go back up here. Um, what was interesting to me is my son was failing high school at bracket at bracket and mortal. I don't know what that is exactly, Timothy. My son was failing high school at bracket and mortal. I took him out and put him into the best program, and now he is straight A's. Something is wrong. Oh, brick and mortar. I think bracket and mortal was supposed to be brick and mortar. So what was interesting to me is my son was failing high school at brick and mortar. And I took him out and put him into the best program. And now he is, which is a homeschooling program from the school district. And now he is a straight A. Something is wrong. Again, each child has a different learning style. I have five kids in homeschool and every one of them had a different learning style. We had to adapt and figure out one for each student. Now, can you imagine a teacher doing that with 30 kids in their class trying to figure out the different learning style for each student? And again, the students that don't get it are the ones she's working with while the rest of them are basically idling around, puttering, waiting for everybody to catch up. I mean, it's just just crazy. It is just crazy. Uh, Gail was bent out of shape about something Melissa said about Kenai getting busy and sweeping things under the rug. Uh, Gail, I don't know as you should take that too much to heart. I think she was talking about some of the things I took it to mean, talking about things like the HEA and some of the school or city council and district things, not the legislative. But, you know, I don't know. I, you know, don't get too bent out of shape about it is what I'm saying. Uh, Fairbanks North Star, uh, North Star School District made a permanent remote learning program. 900 students are in it, and they get counted as if their butts are in the seats of a brick and mortar. They did this because a record number of parents have moved their kids into qualified homeschooling programs, getting the kids out of the indoctrination camps that brick and mortar are providing. Sadly, the FNSD program is the same failed remote learning that in the brick and mortar school systems. It's the same with a reserve. Look, there are plenty of programs out there. Idea, Raven, Cyberlinks, um, your own programs that you build yourself. They're all available out there. We just need to stop doing the same thing that we've been doing and expecting it's going to get better. That's exactly, I mean, that's exactly it. All right, we're out of time. We, we got to get back to it here. I got, got, I'm sorry, I don't mean to yell, but I'm just I'm so frustrated with this whole thing. We know that the system is broken, yet we refuse to acknowledge it. The answer is always more money to do the same things that we've been doing that haven't been working. I'm so happy that the pandemic hit and showed a lot of those things for sure. That's again, the only silver lining of COVID was that right there. All right, we're gonna jump back into it with Bill, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
One final segment here on the program. We got to change, folks. We got to change. The 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 opportunity is there. I mean, we're on the cusp of doing some amazing things with the technology now. I mean, you could have a you know high school especially, you could have a hundred students in a class on a remote learning thing where they could do things on their own, and then if they need to go talk to a teacher, they can. You could. I mean, there's just so many things that could be done. You can outsource that expertise that you need. Why are we so locked into this idea that if they don't go to the brick and mortar, is it because they beca- it's become convenient? Because it's become convenient to become a, a you know legitimized babysitting service so we can all go out and follow our careers or whatever else? Is that part of it? I don't know. When did we abdicate our responsibility for following after our child's education in that way? All right, I'm going to stop bloviating. Bill's on the line. He wanted to call in this morning. Bill, what's on your mind? Hey, I'd like to, uh, I'm from Kenai, Bill, and I'd like to um, tell you that I went to a Kelly uh, campaign, and she told us to write her name in red across the top of the ballot, and you have to spell the name correctly, and you have to write in what you want her to be Republican, I think is what she said and a date, but I'm, I'm guessing on the last two, I don't remember the whole thing, but you write her name in red across the ballot on the ranked choice voting. That's how Lisa Murkowski won. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm wondering how come this isn't getting out there? Well, well, first of all, I'm the only one that knows this. Right. Well, first and foremost, if she makes it through the primary, and I expect Kelly Shabaka will make it through the primary, uh, onto the ranked choice voting card, her name will already be on the ballot. So uh, I don't think that that will be a problem. Um, if she doesn't make it on the ballot, maybe she has to be a write-in. I don't know. But um, she, you know, with the ranked choice voting, you get to vote for everybody first in the jungle primary, and then there will be four candidates to vote for uh, on the ranked choice. And I fully expect at this point that both Lisa and Kelly will be on the ballot in the top four. The question is who else will be on the ballot as well. So, Right, yeah. Yeah, I listened to the way Carpenter explain how the win is going to be, and that's not a very good thing to do. Uh, it, I, I, the lady from uh, Nome that you talked to about one thing at a time, I think that's great. Yeah, Carlene from Kodiak, right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. One bite at a time. You eat it one bite at a time. So focus on the jungle primary for the special congressional election on June the, June the 11th. And just pick your one candidate out of the 48 that are there. Yeah. And one other thing before I go. Sure. Um, in Larimer County, Colorado, the charter schools leased and bought, I don't, leased and bought all the schools from Larimer County. They keep them up. They keep the buildings going. And no more school union. All charter schools got charter school teachers and their success rate is almost 100%. You said this is uh, what, Larimer County? Is that what you said? Yeah, Larimer County, which is Fort Collins, Loveland, Colorado. They um, they decided that, that uh, they had enough of the school teachers' unions, and so they, uh, they leased all their schools from the, would be like for the borough. We'd lease our schools from the borough. Right. Charter schools would take over, do the teaching, 
and your kids all of a sudden become a lot smarter. Hmm. Okay. Well, I hadn't I've told you that before. Yeah, I hadn't. Uh, I wasn't aware that they had eliminated all the. So there's no public. You're saying that there's no public schools. They're all charter schools now, or a big chunk of them. Well, I think I think what happened was that that all the charter schools did so well that now everybody's a charter school. I don't. There's very little sports goes on. There is sports, so there must be something going on there, but. But um, the charter school teachers are in the schools teaching now. Okay. They just eliminated the union. Well, there should always be an option. a good thing to do. Yeah, no, there always should be an option. And I think, again, you're right. The unions hold a a large amount of sway, and they want the business as usual because they don't want to upend the apple cart. And we definitely... Uh, need to be able to looking at finding ways to you know take take some of that power away from the uh, from the teachers unions in this educational system because they're the ones that are usually standing against that educational choice as well. Bill, thank you for your call. Uh, I appreciate it. That leaves three lines open now at four three three thirty one fifty. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, Mike. This is Jason calling from Fairbanks on KFAR. Hello, my friend. What's on your mind? I wanted. Good morning. Yeah, I wanted to mention something about uh, about, about what about what uh, you were saying a few minutes ago about uh, the arguments against um, against the people in the villages um, uh, doing the homeschooling. But first, what your previous caller just said: in Europe, sports are not part of the school curriculum. They have sports clubs, you know, who play soccer and and other sports like that, but they're not part of the schools. And the reason why is that is that it dilutes education. Right, and, and I, right. And that's always been that way, and I've always thought that maybe we ought to, in this country, we ought to maybe look into doing that too, that it might improve things academically. But the other thing that you were mentioning a few minutes ago about about the arguments, not your argument, but the argument that's been made against uh, the homeschooling in the, in, in the villages. Right. You know, back in the Middle Ages, one of the main reasons why the Renaissance occurred, and remember, back then there was no electricity, let alone in the internet, was all the 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 monasteries, the the, the nunneries, and and the and the abbeys. What they did once the, uh, the the printing printing press came about is they wanted to teach the children to read, so that they could not only learn to read the Bible but they could learn trades also that would help the economy, you know, like making wine, right. um, you know, making, making barrels, wagons, things like that, plows. And when they did that, not only did they teach the children, but the parents, wanted, they tagged along too because they also wanted to learn to read. And that caused an explosion of literacy. And that's why, that's why one of the main reasons why the, the, why the Renaissance occurred. And if they were able to do that with such relatively primitive technology back then, I see no reason why with the Internet today, why that couldn't be done in the villages. I'm sure there are plenty of people who live, who live out there who would be interested in doing that, or people who live you know, in other areas of, of Alaska who would you know, maybe retired teachers uh, right. would be happy to, to go to those places and help, and, and help teach them and start it, you know, start it off like a cycle that would keep going. Well, and they don't, again, they don't even have to go anywhere to do it. We've seen this, Jason. We've seen the ability for people to learn remotely and kids to learn remotely. Learn at your own pace, and if you have a problem, then you log in and you talk to a teacher or some uh, advisor or educator that helps you, or if you're a parent who's working it and you can't figure it out, you do the same thing. We've seen this time and time and time again. I mean, since the pandemic, we've had, I mean, in this on this program alone, 
there have been today was just another one. We had a half a dozen parents that have told the show, told us directly that their kids went into school and they got through you know, this other. Uh, somebody just said earlier that they put their kids in and they made it through 11th and 12th grade in five months because they could work at their own pace. And if there was problem, they could reach out and they could get the information. Uh, I mean, this stuff is available. This is why do we keep doing things? It's like we're all, everybody in the education is still riding in the horse and buggy when they could be driving in the car or in the you know in the bullet train one way or the other. Instead, we keep going back to the horse and, and buggy. Know, oh yeah, and you know it almost. And I'm not I'm not accusing this, but it almost sounds like what George Bush, who I had a lot of disagreements with, remember he spoke about the soft bigotry of low expectations. I almost get the impression that in some cases when they talk about this, they're, they're saying, in effect, well, those people in the villages, they're not smart enough to know how to inquire if there's something they don't know. And I say they certainly are, no less than anyone anyone else in Alaska Absolutely. or in the country or in the world. Absolutely. No, everybody is ele- – and there's enough tools available today. Like I said, I mean, uh, my wife has taught every one of our children, and, uh, you know, I've known other people who have taught every one of their – some of them don't even have a high school degree. Agree, okay, you know what I mean? It's not like it requires that to make it happen because there are plenty of tools right. available to get it done. That's 100% true. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. It's you. One last time, if you're there, say hi. Okay, they didn't, uh, apparently not listening. Let's go over to the last caller. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, this is Norman from Fairbanks, Alaska. Hello, Norman. Yes, I had a, I, I heard on one of the AM channels uh, that uh, they uh, invested a, a bunch of money uh, in Russia from our PFD, um, and I'd like to know, why are we invested in communist country? And uh, I'd like to find out who would be responsible for doing such a thing like that. The Permanent Fund Corporation has some investments in Russia, just as they have investments around the world and around the country. Uh, it's pretty minor overall in comparison to the 80 plus billion dollar fund. It's not a whole lot of money. Uh, and they were all there prior to the uh, war with Ukraine. And there has been some discussion about divesting from those investments. But as of right now, I want to say it's something like only like $57 million or something like that um, in investments Whoa. in Russia. And, and I don't know, I think there's some oil and gas investments and some other things, but I'm not 100% sure exactly what they cover. But uh, just like they have investments everywhere, that's just one of the places that they had some money invested. Just doesn't seem right that we'd be invested in a communist country. My father was in uh, World War II. He fought Japanese and he fought the Nazis. Uh, I have a brother in Vietnam, fought the communists. And I just don't understand why we're uh, playing with these communist countries like that. And at what point will we get our, uh, our, our, our bad debt that we've sold to China? When, at what point will we actually recover over that? Well, I mean, that's a valid question. And we got all this money out there. When will we start living within our means and be able to pay some of that back? I mean, that's a valid question. Wish I had an answer for you. 
We're out of time, though. Thank you, Norman, for calling in. Folks, we are out of time. Tomorrow, Chris Story, Brad Keithley. Well, no Chris Story tomorrow. He's not going to be here. But Brad Brad Keithley will be here. We will see you, folks, tomorrow. Have a great day. Be kind. Love one another. All right, my friends. Thanks for joining us. Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show